Good morning. Welcome to El Paso Bible Church and our worship service. Thank you, Priscilla, for that wonderful intro. It's beautiful. This morning, as we begin our service, uh, if you have your bulletin, just a, a just brief announcements there. First of all, one has been in the bulletin that needs to be addressed is the one for the annual congregation meeting coming up next Sunday. So we invite you to be to come to be a part of this uh, annual meeting. If you're a member, uh, you'll be able to vote in in, in our annual uh, annual meeting. And so we encourage all of you to to come. In. And if you're not a member, we'd encourage you even to come and buy and and see what it's all about. You know, hear the testimonies, hear what God is doing in the, the midst of this church and how He's moving and what He's doing. So we encourage you to to do that next Sunday, right after our. Sunday service. And continue to pray for the ministries that are there on, on your bulletin, especially the ones for all the kids, the children, all the churches, uh, the kids' church, the, uh, even the youth groups, and the Awanas, and all those that are listed on your bulletin. Continue to pray for them. Continue to pray for the teachers because you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time, and, and God is bringing to this church people that are designed to serve the to serve in the ministry, and if you're one of those people, we encourage you to 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 plug in here at El Paso Bible Church in the, in these ministries that we have here at our church. This morning, in preparation for our pastor's message, I'd like for you to open your Bible to Psalm 136, and I'll just be reading a few verses out of chapter 136. Beginning with verse 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of the lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. Our Father God, this morning we're reminded, first of all, of who you are the great creator, the magnificent God, the almighty God, the one who set everything in its place. And you say, it is through your mercy, Father, that we exist. It's through your mercy, Father, that we have grace. And so, Lord, this morning we want to thank you so much for that. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives and thank you, Lord, for bringing us here this morning to not only to listen to the message, but also, Father, enjoy the music and prepare our hearts, Father, for what is you, you have placed on our pastor's heart in that message. And so, Father, this morning, we want to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the one who paid the price, the one who bought us. We thank you, Lord, for his wonderful work on that cross. But the most beautiful thing about it all is that he's not there anymore. He's alive. And that's how we serve a risen Savior. We thank you, Lord, that he's even here in our presence. Thank you, Father, for who he is and what he did for us. And we say thank you from the bottom of our heart, Lord. Father, we continue this morning and we think of those that could not be with us for various reasons. And we think of our sister Janice, Lord, and pray that you just lift her up and Comfort her body, Lord, and, and just give her grace, Father, beyond measure. 
And so, Father, this morning, again, we just thank you, Father, for that power that comes from your mighty hand, Father. The Father that sustains us. And, Father, we say thank you. And so, we continue this morning to just praise you. And so, Father, we just say praise the Lord for who you are. And I ask this in Jesus' name. you stand with us? I know a name who will never lose its power. It's a strong and mighty tower. Bible say, cause he is a name. He's our rock and our redeemer. Oh, the precious name of Jesus will never change. Cause even in the desert ways, He is still my resting place. Even when my soul is faint, I will praise. Though I am a run away, He still calls me home by name. I'll be singing with the saints, I will praise. I know a God who will never believe his people who stays faithful to receive him when we're not oh he is a God whose promise never falters there is mercy at the altar for us all cause even in the desert place he is still my resting place even when my soul
that breaks off every shackle, turns the tide of any battle, lift up a sound, there's a sound, that breaks off every shackle, turns the tide of any
life that day on Calvary, but the grave couldn't hold him, and it can't hold me. Thank you. 
Rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Hope you all are doing well this morning. That's a great day to be together. Uh, the dust storm settled down yesterday, it looks like, which is always welcome. We've got some odd weather in the last year or two. Uh, we got two or three things we ought to mention again. I'm not, uh, Ernie mentioned the uh, congregational meeting uh, next Sunday, right after the service. So we want everybody to stay for the congregational meeting. Uh, only members uh, can vote. Uh, so you know if you're a member or not. We, have, we do have a process. Some people get uh, upset about that and then they leave uh, because they got upset about it and we say bye. Because we don't ch There's a reason we have a membership. It's important. Uh, it helps us keep uh, tabs on doctrine and leadership and those sorts of things. Uh, but this isn't about that. This is literally just about sandwiches. Okay, you're not signing up to be a member, whether you're a member or not, but you want to come to the congregational meeting and you want a sandwich. That's what this is for, okay? This is not signing up for Pastor Josh to come hunt you down and get a member interview, any of that. Just a sandwich and presents. So, it would be better if you're not sure you're going to be here, sign up for a sandwich. If you, it's a 50% chance you might be here, sign up for a sandwich anyway. That way you have a sandwich no matter what. No matter how the day goes, you get a sandwich. It can't be that bad of a day if you get a sandwich, right? Amen? All right, amen. So I'm going to pass this around. Only got one of them, so make sure it goes around both sides. All right? So I'm going to start with you. Uh-huh. You know, you'll notice that Glenn is on the front row. If you've ever taught junior high, you know what that means. He's in trouble now. No, 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 no. That's all right. Uh, two other things. On February 17th, maybe in the bulletin or not, I'm not sure yet. It should be, but we have a lot of things that got to compete. Uh, we're going to have a triple B. So February 17th, um, it'll either, if, if weather doesn't allow, if we have a Saturday like we had yesterday, we'll move it inside. But we will have a triple B on February 17th, and we're having the next men's breakfast on March 9th. Okay? Those will both be on Saturdays. It won't be in the morning, right? It won't be in the afternoon. The triple B in the evening. Uh, and the breakfast in the morning. So make sure, guys, that you keep that in mind, and we will have sign-ups for that coming up. Uh, but we're going to pray. Let's pray. Uh, oh, children. Children, go. If you're going to Children's Church. Look at that. I think I remembered four things today. Can you believe that? That's, that's a record. Four things without a, from the congregation. All right. Four whole things. All right. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to worship you uh, in song together. We, we thank you for the opportunity that we now have to worship you uh, by studying and learning from your word. Uh, we don't distinguish between those two opportunities rightly. Uh, they are the same. They are worship. And we thank you for the opportunity and the blessing and the graciousness uh, that we experience from you in doing it. Uh, Father, we pray that you bless our, our time in your word today. Uh, Father, we would be remiss if we did not spend just a few moments and pray uh, for Israel today. That we um, are witnessing events uh, that are, are not historically 
um, recognizable. We know exactly what's happening. Um, and Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray uh, that your covenant people would be unmolested in their land by their enemy. And Father, we know that that is a means of blessing other nations and other people in Scripture, that we would be a blessing to Israel, and we seek to do that uh, today, Father. Uh, we also pray for those who are ill in our body. We thank you uh, that a lot of the respiratory illnesses seem to have been overcome, uh, but Father, we do pray for those who are suffering other more severe things, that you would restore them to health, restore them to us, and to uh, service uh, on this, uh, while they're here in this earth. I'm looking forward to your coming and your son's coming and living forever with you. Father, I pray again that you would bless our time in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to continue uh, this morning in 2 Peter. Uh, we're talking about growing in, in grace. Um, the growing, maturing, discipling, developing uh, towards what James would call, James would say that if you follow this process, it's a parallel, analogous process, that if you do this, you become, in temporal terms, you become perfect, that you become complete, that you're lacking in nothing, meaning that when you wake up in the morning, whatever challenges you face, whatever challenges you face, you're equipped for. And that is what Peter's getting at, too, when he's saying you're growing in grace, that it is God's favor upon your life that is demonstrated when you when we engage in this process as children of God, this is something that we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We grow in grace. He gave us a structure for that. Uh, we've spent a number of weeks about what we're supposed to do to grow in grace uh, in dealing with false teachers. But even before that, right, he's talking about the exercise of things that all the things that God has given us, everything that pertains to life and godliness, all of the things, a long list. He said that when you do that, you become useful and not useless. Now, this is not something that's considered very pastoral in the Western church, but there is a distinction between believers, um, and we would be remiss in saying that there's not a real risk of a believer not being useful in this life. There are ones who think that they have the spiritual gift of Division and divisiveness, the spiritual gift of stinker, right? That that's their main function. That's not a function. That's not a thing in the Bible. Now, that's not a thing. Uh, there's a real possibility, at least hopefully a temporary one, but it could be permanent. And Peter doesn't want that. He says that's not a path to blessing. God has given you everything you need to live a life in accord with his grace that is exercising all of the things that he's given us for life and godliness. He doesn't want you to be useless. So we need to know our purpose. We need to know why the local church is here, but we need to know what each of our places are in this life so it would be useful. And of course, we spent a lot, a lot of weeks talking about false teaching and false teachers and how to distinguish between the two. And Peter made a very sharp demarcation, a very sharp dividing line between them, right? He, he warned us, he said, there's a very real possibility of people who are stable, who are knowledgeable, who are firmly established believers becoming 
unstable. And when that happens, you're liable to go back into bondage to things from which you've been set free. That can happen. That can happen. People who are stable can become unstable. They become people who then determine that they want bondage and they trade their freedom for it. Now remember that we're talking about something that happens to believers. We can't lose, can't lose our identity. We can't lose that. Um, y'all may not realize this because so many relationships seem to be in a massive state of fluidity right now. They seem, people, society, our culture, the language seems to be trying to annihilate any kind of established definition, right? Uh, the, the world says that if I love somebody, I should be able to marry them. That is foolish. Scripture says you're supposed to love everybody and marry one person of the opposite gender. Just because you're supposed to love everybody doesn't mean you're supposed to marry everybody. That's not the category. That's a categorical error, right? That's an identity problem. You think that you can fill any identity in every relationship out there if you say that, right? That's not what we say. That's not what we teach. We understand that Scripture has dividing lines between what you can and cannot do. Uh, a lot of believers think that you can be a son and then not be a son. I want you to go find in the Texas Penal Code or the Family Code or whichever law covers this, right, the category of state law, and find where even humanly speaking you can unadopt somebody. Even under Roman law it wasn't possible, but even under Texas law it's my understanding that it's not. You can divorce just about anybody. You can disown somebody of their inheritance. An extremist. You can do all sorts of nasty things to them. But your son is your son. Scripturally speaking, right, we have examples. Uh, a son living in a pigsty is still a son. He was a son before he got there. He was a son while he was there. And he knew he could have assurance that he was a son, the prodigal son. And he was a son when he left throughout entirely. No question about it. See, there are some things that people will waffle on. Scripture never, ever, ever, ever teaches that the prodigal son was not a son at any point in the parable. That's inarguable. <gasps> Pastor Josh refuses to argue about something? Yes, he does. If you tell me that the prodigal son was not a son at any point in the parable, I will say you're stupid. Conversation over. Right? That's the only alternative. You're stupid. You can't read. You don't understand what you're reading. Something, something stupid there. But I'm not, I don't have enough years. I don't have minutes left. I do enough stuff that could kill me in a half an hour or the less. On just for grins. I don't have time to argue with people like that. A son is a son is a son. A son in a pigsty is a son in a pigsty. A son who lives in chains is still a son in chains. A son who fails, who falls, who's entangled, like Peter said, 
way the writer of Hebrews says it. Sin easily besets us. Sin easily entangles us. Let's lay that aside. But a son that has been entangled is still a son. fallen son is a fallen son. It's important that we're able to do that. It is important that we are able to discern what Scripture teaches and what it doesn't teach. It's important that we're able to discern true teaching from false teaching. That we remember the things in which we were established. It was so important that Peter spent all... Well, actually, the very end of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2 on making that distinction and making it clear what the risks are and the liabilities are if we fail in that. And and he was cognizant that he's nearing the end of his natural life, and he considered it important to spend those moments, right, doing that exact same thing. Uh, That's why we didn't rush through chapter 2, by the way. We didn't say false teacher bad and go on to chapter 3. It's actually kind of important that we don't for other reasons. But here we are in chapter 3. And chapter 3 tells us something even more interesting about the way that Peter uh, utilized and stewarded the time that he had in his life. It says this, this is now beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the command of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So actually, he's not even talking about the direct communication of Jesus in his direct teaching. He's saying you need to pay attention to the apostolic teaching that was given through them, that agent specifically. And this is the second letter that he's focusing on that to his audience. So there's two things that I really want you to get out of those verses. This is a second letter to this audience and on this topic. Now, if you remember, maybe you don't remember, because 1 Peter actually seems a while back, doesn't it? It's okay. That's how we roll at El Paso Bible Church, right? 1 Peter seems a while back. We're not the Bible church that gets 600 lessons out of a chapter, but we don't make tracks either. But 1 Peter, we've made a point of this, is not written to this audience. 1 Peter was written to an audience that was geographically identified to the church in these, I think it was five locations. This letter was written to a broader audience, wasn't it? All of those who have a like substance of faith as Peter the Apostle does. So you don't have to be a math savant to say, wait a second, that looks like there was another letter, if it's to this audience on this topic. The other thing is that 1 Peter doesn't mention this topic. We're about to talk about the parousia, the appearing, the coming of Christ. You will not find that term in 1 Peter. So don't be disturbed by that. I'm just going to warn you that there are people out there who will try to cause you to stumble in the way that you read Scripture by pointing to this and saying, look, that's an inconsistency if they're nice, or it's an error if they're not nice, right? We only have two letters. Well, it might be that Peter's talking about 1 Peter. I don't know. 
I don't think it is. I think that there was another one, maybe before 1 Peter, maybe after 1 Peter, but one that we don't have. Now, you need to not be disturbed by that. Uh, it looks to me like Paul wrote at least one other letter to the Corinthians that we don't have. Not everything they wrote. If, if Peter and Paul and John and James wrote down their grocery list, guess what? It's not in here. When they went down to the corner store to get ice and pita bread, and their wives gave them a list, it's not in here. Not everything that they wrote was canonical. Not everything was in wide distribution in the church. Not everything was considered authoritative. Some things were personal. Oddly enough, some things in the canonical letters seem to be personal also, like when Paul says, hey, tell him to bring my jacket. It's a little chilly here. <laughs> There's some personal communication in the canonical. So that wasn't it either, but it's not there. So I just want you to be un, undisturbed when somebody points that out. Lots of things that they wrote. Lots of prophets in the Bible. We've talked about this. Lots of prophets in the Bible don't even have a name. Much less do we have anything written down by them. No, much less do we actually know what they said. But they were legitimate actual prophets. So this is a personal truth to this audience. Hey, guys. I wrote y'all a whole letter to remind you of the same things that I'm reminding you of in chapter 2 and now chapter 3 because it's that important. The parousia is that important. The fact that it's coming. The fact that the Old Testament, here's the second thing, the Old Testament prophets said the kingdom is coming. That was their central point. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom is coming. Jesus' ministry, repent and believe, the kingdom is at hand. Through the apostles, the parousia is coming. Two things. Don't be disturbed. There was another letter. You should take from that that this was very important to Peter. He wrote a whole letter on this topic to the same audience. They needed to remember, you need to remember, I need to remember, and that is a consistent thread from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through the apostolic ministry that we're to look to the kingdom that is coming. Absolutely consistent. So some people will say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Tell me something I can use today. I'm getting there. I mean, you can use that today. If the kingdom is coming, very simply, right? What does that mean? It's not here yet. You got that friend, right? You're always waiting for the one friend. And when you text him and say, where are you? He always says five minutes. I won't name any names. It's never five minutes. It's never five minutes with that one friend, right? If it's coming and not here, you know the difference because you know the friend isn't there and it's going to be more than five minutes. You need to remember and be reminded of the thing. It was very important for Peter to do. So we may know that. Uh, but the kingdom is, I won't say the, the central, but it is one of the central doctrines of the entire record revelation of Scripture. That the world is not right. 
the world is not right. Praise Jesus. This world is not the kingdom. Praise Jesus. But he is coming and it will be made right. It will be made anew. That's what we need to remember. Nobody's going to finagle with voting machines. No one's going to finagle with money. No one's going to finagle with any of the process. Nobody's going to fight a war and win against Jesus and take over their political process. Border porosity won't be an issue. All of these things that we look at and go, this is going to destroy things that we love. He's coming, and he'll make it anew. And we don't need to forget that. We need to remember that, be reminded of it. That is progressively revealed, right? Some new information is revealed, but the central, the core, is there throughout that the head of the serpent will be crushed. The seed of the serpent's head, excuse me, will be crushed by the seed of the woman. Consistent, true prophecy from the beginning. And you need to be able to discern things that aren't that. There are lots of false teaching. Lots of false teaching that will tell you the kingdom is sort of kind of here now. Or, here's one that I never thought we would see. There's all sorts of post-millennialists running around. And we're not talking about generation, what is born after the X? What is that, after the millennial? Was it Z? It's not Z, Z's one extra one. Anyway, we're not talking about the ones that were born after the millennials when we say that. The post-millennials teach that you and I have a heavy burden to carry. You have a, a heavy burden to carry because it is your job to get off your butts and make the kingdom ready for Jesus. Good luck. Good luck. I was watching a little bit of news this morning. I forget the guy's name. South Carolina congressman. What's his name? Serves in the National Guard. I can see his face plain as day. He was being interviewed. He was talking about how bad and, and how much we need to fix and make peace in Israel, but we can't come up with a two-state solution. Uh, and this is the first time. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard anything theologically correct in an interview like that. The interviewer goes, you know, this is a millennia-long problem in Israel, and I don't think we can fix it with a political process. Light bulb. Right? Light bulb. But the kingdom is coming. It's not here now, and it's not your job. You have enough to bear, to grow in grace, to embrace the things he's given us for life and godliness. He hasn't asked us to do that. The second letter. Second letter I'm writing to you, which I'm stirring you up by sincere way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, verse 3, first of all, of primary importance to their experience in this life. And it doesn't have to do with setting up the kingdom. It doesn't have to do with fixing all the problems of the world. It is this. 
know this, first of all, first importance, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. That's a question we get all the time as pastors. Are, are we in the last days, pastor? They get this intense look in their eyes and they hand me a little paperback. And want me to read it. And then they say, please read this and then answer my question. I said, I don't need to. I don't need to. Yes. The answer is yes. You're in the last days. You know how scripture refers to the last days, plural like that? The days in which you know who the Messiah is. The church is a last days entity. Yes. Your paperback usually misses that guy. Your paperback often tries to figure out who the Antichrist is. And it's often the political party that they hate. Anyway, so I don't really care about who the Antichrist is, actually, because I know he's not going to be voted in, so who I vote for ain't going to fix it or break it, those kinds of things, right? You're in the last days. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us that. He says that in these last days, God has spoken to us by the revelation of the Messiah, Right? Christ's son. That was a dividing line in history. We didn't know for all this time before, but we do now. And this is the last days from between when the Old Testament prophets spoke about his future coming and identification for when the Messiah speaks and speaks through his apostles. The days between then and the establishment of the kingdom. So what do we expect in the last day? What did Peter tell his audience to expect? Because they were in the last days, because we're in the last days. Mockers. Mocking. Mockers in their mocking. Did he peg that? He pegged it, didn't he? I can't tell you how many times Let's just start with 2020. Can we start with January 2020? I have been told to quit praying like an idiot to my sky daddy for help. The internet has made people arrogantly, foolishly courageous, has it not? Um, other terrible things simply because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ looking for the kingdom to come abound. Here's the cool thing, though. At least with our technology, you can weed out the cowards. Because my first answer is, please come to my office and say that to my face. Please. Um, let, here's the number. Make an appointment. People have said far worse things to me in private. It's safe. I'm not threatening them. I just think if you're going to say it, you ought to be able to say it to my eyeballs. 
That's a last day's experience. It is not entirely unique, but it is entirely more poignant in a way because we do know who the Messiah is. That's the last day's reality. It's not a mysterious future thing that we're looking for and trying to identify like the, like the 12 were. You know, they go back and confer with each other and say, I think we found him. I think we found him. Let me tell you about this guy. We know. Because the resurrection told us that we know who this is. Without a doubt, we know. And mockers still mock. That's not actually going to stop, by the way. We know that there is a a massive population growth (laughs) that takes place even in the millennium that results in a massive rebellion. And they can see Jesus' eyeballs. Mockers mock. But here's the particular way they say it. Where, verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. They were saying that in Peter's day. They were saying it now. There's an agenda. It's, it's not just sarcasm. It's not just sociopaths. There's plenty of those. Sociopaths are so common in our society that we give probably 60% of them a pass. We just have to call that normal because if we actually identified the number of sociopaths that we encounter every day, we wouldn't go outside. <laughs> we just wouldn't. So we've just kind of moved the bar differently. They're not just hard people to get along with. They're not just buttheads. They have an agenda. They're seeking to justify their own lusts. Uh, They use this to deny accountability, that everything has just continued on the way it has always continued on. Where, Where is the promise of his coming? You guys say you're looking for the kingdom. You say you know who the Messiah is. Well, I got news for you. Science says everything is just cruising along the way it always has. Now, they're not saying that everything doesn't change, right? That's actually, this is actually describing what I think the the vast majority of evolutionists out there, right? How do they get to the world, what is it now, 14 and a half billion years old or something like that? Well, because they apply a constant rate of change to the process, so they need billions of years to do that. And they just say, well, Since the one cataclysmic event, everything has just been changing a little at a time. It's never made a really big difference. Just cruising along, just going along. If that's the case, you have no accountability for your actions, and you guys are all wasting your time. But we want to be useful, right? That's what Peter is telling us. This is how to be useful in that climate. They presume that for generations, 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 the world has just continued on, that the universe has just kept sort of expanding from somewhere. Uniformitarianism. Now, not all forms of evolution actually teach that strictly, but the majority of it does. It just takes a long time to change anything for real. Death is a good thing. If your philosophy of life and of creation of the universe works says that death is a good thing, it, you're wrong. That's not a good thing. But death is a good thing according to these principles. 
I mean, they, they would say things change, right? You can look at, well, actually, I was noting the other day, this tells you I'm getting a little bit older than I thought I was. The 90s are being recapitulated right in your presence. The hairstyles, the jeans, the vests, all of it. That means you're a little old when that happens. That used to be when bell-bottoms came along again. They've come back two or three times in my lifetime now. Isn't that disturbing? How that happens? I'm not saying it happens to everybody. It happens to everything. Hairstyle, everything, everything. But generally speaking, the universe doesn't change principles. The rate of change has been constant. And therefore, it's just going to continue on that way into the future indefinitely. You know, but that's wrong to say that nothing changes. Nothing changes. Everything just carries on. Even they know that. Most of them know that some, or think, teach that some asteroid whacked the earth and knocked out all the dinosaurs. But nothing changes, right? The rate of change is constant. The level of, of genetic uh, variety is constant, but it's created by mutations. Therefore, death is a good thing because it gets rid of the, the ones that weren't, didn't work well. But it's wrong to say that. Even they don't agree that. But you and I, we know that things change, right? We, we read Genesis. We read Genesis. You do read Genesis? Read Genesis. It's pretty cool. It teaches some pretty crazy stuff was going on, and things did change radically in a very short amount of time, occasionally. A global flood, that's what Peter uses here, the global flood killed everyone except for eight people. But the way I read it is the vast majority of the people it killed were also giants. The mighty men of old. People are worried about whether we coexisted with dinosaurs. Just think about you and I coexisting with giants like that. That God said, the wickedness is great on the world, and I'm sorry that I made all this. Whack. But nothing changes. You know, it just keeps going on the way it's always gone on. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Gospels. You know that the Gospels, we talked about this in Sunday school, the Gospels teach that when Jesus was raised from the dead, when he was resurrected, all sorts of people also just jumped out of the grave like that was normal. Nothing changes, huh? The world just continues on, as it always has, since the fathers fell asleep. bondage to nostalgia if you ask the fathers who fell asleep what's the world like now you have an advantage because technology increases exponentially right what is it only like a hundred years ago that we learned to make a machine that would fly more or less we still need to go back to the drawing board apparently right the, the doors just keep flying off of the things and the bolts fall out it's like uh we used to hear about that in Africa, you know. In some African countries, they would pour oil in somewhere in the motor, and the oil would come out almost as fast out of the bottom, but they'd fly it anyway. 
now my door's falling off. Say, that's a little more, maybe a little more basic. If you went and talked to the father, hey, this is my life. Has anything changed? What do you think they would say? I have a, a talking wall in my house that brings me information from all over the world at a click of a button. I didn't have that in 1983. Right? I mean, it's way faster. Way, way faster. At least. It's wrong to say that. From any perspective. It's ahistorical. Uniformitarianism is ahistorical like that. To just say that things go on and on and on. Aside from being unscriptural. But that's the justification that's what they impress on history and say it's just all the same stuff, just on repeat. And nobody could change it all anyway. God's, God's not that big. He's never done that. He couldn't do it. No being could ever do that. In order to just, just to justify their immorality, they do this. Not to gain power, not to gain... That's, that's the interesting part, right? Money will make people do crazy things. Power will make people do crazier things, and a lot of times they're connected. These, just, these guys just want to have, they just want freedom to have sex with whoever they want, is the way I read that. It's their lust. Oh, crap. Pastor Josh just identified what Tuesday looks like in the United States. Yeah, you're in the last days. That's what you should expect. That's what I should expect, but I wake up and I'm still surprised by it. You in my club? We have a very, we have a non-existent clubhouse that you can be a part. We have no buffets, we have no membership, and yeah. They mock. They say nothing big ever changes, nothing significant ever changes, the world never transforms, the eras to come will be like the eras have already been, and there's no accountability in that system. And, and they would be right if they're right, but Peter thinks that's cheap chicken baloney. He says, you think God's never done that? Verse 5, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice. He's, he's being satirical, sarcastic. It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water, morons. Sorry, he didn't say morons, but that's the point. How does water get used like a massive divine Dremel tool to carve out the globe as you know it so that it can be mapped in GPS where you can know where you are? Water is used for that. Water was what it arose out of and... And water destroyed everything. God's never done anything like that, has he? He's never changed anything in a moment in time, has he? Yes, he has. What makes a difference between good water and good flood and bad flood? Peter says. That's why I inserted more... What makes the difference? Well, see, growing up in the hill country, we know good water from bad water. We know it here, too, actually. 
with all this traffic mess, I've been driving down Bosque Road a lot, and I have to point out to my sons, well, that used to be a big farm over there. Now it's the water companies. That's just a big catchment area. The good water we pump out of the ground, the bad water in the hill country comes in massive quantities and carves out brand new canyons and blows houses over. And God formed the world out of good water because he spoke it. And he destroyed the world with water because he spoke it. And the only reason we know that we'll never be destroyed by water again like that, because he spoke it. Morons. Escaped your notice. Not you guys. You guys understand. You guys knew the answers. We're in the last days. Mockers come with their mocking. Where's the promise of his coming? They presume that generations upon generations upon generations, the world has just continued on the way that it has. The universe just kept going round and round and round. They said there's been no changes. The common denominator is God's word, God's character, God's power. He can do anything he wants with anything at any time, bound only by his own promises, sovereign over all, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, present everywhere. He used the waters that cover the earth like you use the little files that come in the pumpkin carving kit. We have a pumpkin carving contest in our youth group. And what you do with a little pumpkin to make it cute and win the candy bars, children, youth, that's the kind of God. God does that with waters that can cover the mountains of the whole world at one time. So he dresses them. Mockers in your mocking. Uh, if you can identify enough consistency. He addresses Mockers who are mocking in the last days. If you can look at creation and see consistency and cycles and seasons and science, the only reason that you see that is because God said so. And he can change it when he wants. Because he's done it before. He's done it before. And when he stops saying, when he stops saying the things that are necessary for it to be like you've experienced it, it will stop. Now, Peter says that in very obvious terms. He said, only an idiot would think otherwise. But you live in the last days. The mockers are mocking. And I'll tell you, there are many, many people out there who at least claim the name of Jesus. I won't say that all of them are justified or believers in Jesus Christ, but who want the, the moniker 
they have begun to at least collaborate with the mockers and say that that never happened. That the global flood wasn't global and it didn't destroy everything and everybody except for the eight people. It didn't do any of that. You need to read, read that for what it is. It's some sort of allegory, some sort of spiritual lesson. Denying the six-day creation is pretty common among them, the global flood, all sorts of other things. Because they have adopted something they call science that is mocker, mockery, mockers in their mocking. I think you guys know that I'm not uh, anti-intellectual. Right? You dispensationalists get called anti-intellectuals all the time. You guys just hate smart people. You're dumb and you don't like smart people. Right? That's my best jock interpretation. I was never a jock, despite my size. You guys just hate smart people. No. People who read the Bible as a historical record are the smart people. And the mockers mocking are the fools. That is the only record in Scripture. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the warnings that were applicable in Peter's day and in our own day. And we pray that you would uh, continue to remind us through your word about where we are and what we have to look forward to in your coming kingdom. Thank you for the life that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. burden weighing heavy is it all too much to carry let me tell you about my Jesus do you feel that empty feeling cause shame's done all it's stealing and you're desperate for some healing let me tell you about my Jesus he makes a way where there ain't no
Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. Welcome, uh, and that is Danny Salgado. Where'd he run off to? Danny's behind me. Danny, you shouldn't already be playing the drums. Look at that hand. Okay, uh, and Scott Krause, who's also up here, um, and my son Thaddeus. So make sure that you welcome them as new members. I should have done that ahead of time, but uh, so I remembered four and forgot the fifth. It's a bit, still a good record, right? All right, y'all are dismissed. Have a good afternoon. <laughs> 